Welcome to the Chi Alpha UNC podcast. We're excited that you've decided to stop by. Today, we continue our series on the parables of Jesus. For all who have ears, let them hear. Now, Samantha continues our series by looking at the parable of the treasure in the field. Do you see your relationship with Jesus as a treasure? This message was recorded on October 19th, 2023 at Gunter Hall at UNC. Please join us every Thursday at 7 p.m. at the UNC campus. All are welcome. Come as you are, leave as a new creation. Well, welcome Chi Alpha to our Thursday night. Well, it is my honor and privilege to introduce our speaker tonight, my really good friend, (laughs) but more importantly, my wife, Samantha Carnell. Uh, You just call me Schmitty. Did I just hear that? I will say, I am legally a Carnell now, so... If you say Schmitty, you won't find that anywhere anymore. <laughs> Thanks, Seth. <laughs> Anyways, hey, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good? Can I get thumbs up? Peter does this a lot. Yeah? I only see a couple thumbs down. Some sides. That's good. Well, let me just say that if you guys weren't here for last week, I should move this. I feel like I can't see anybody. Sorry, Peter. Yeah, I'm just too tall. <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah, I'm too tall. Um, but yeah, if you guys were here for last week, we weren't here. We were at Agape Feast at the Vineyard. I will say I got super stuffed on Jaden's mac and cheese. Wherever you are, in Katie's chicken Alfredo. That was homemade. It was good. It was really good. I did not have your fish, Peter, but... Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, um, yeah, we didn't plan this of how all of the sermons were going to be like set out, but I really, really like the way that we plan them out because what Duncan talked about a couple, uh, a couple, a couple weeks ago, if you don't remember, um, is very, very crucial for what we're going to be talking about tonight. So Duncan preached on three parables. Um, which really, really illustrates to us how much we are loved by Jesus. You remember that? And the lengths that Jesus will take and has taken to come after us, right? So I'm going to follow that message by talking tonight on how we, as humans and Christians, respond to this news, even non-believers, how we respond to this. But first, since this is my first sermon of the semester in the school year, I want to give you guys a tiny introduction for those do- who don't know who I am. So if you haven't heard, my name's Samantha. Um, hi, guys. <laughs> I, <laughs> you guys are funny. Okay. I was born um, and raised in Colorado Springs, um, so I'm a Colorado native. I love Colorado. I actually went to college here at UNC um, and graduated with my degree in biology Um, But now I'm not even using this degree, but (laughs) we'll get into that why later. But now I have such an amazing opportunity to serve your campus by being on staff here, which I just love doing. 
Now, when people come up here, normally they put a picture up of, you know, their family. And every single time in years past, I just show pictures of my cat. But <laughs> now I don't have to because I can show a picture of my new family. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, Venus. She, Venus is still loved, but... <laughs> Yeah, if you didn't know, I married the love of my life this summer. Um, and now the beautiful thing is, is that Caleb and I get to do ministry together, which is something that I really love doing. All right, so if you guys have been with us for a while, you know that we say this saying pretty much all the time. We say that God has a right on your life. But tonight, I really want to expand on this saying that we say all the time. So before I get into scripture, I want to ask you guys a question that I just want you guys to just ponder on tonight as we're talking, okay? The question is, why does God have a right to your life, right? We say this all the time, so I feel like we should, like, we should know why we say this. Um, so let's get into it. If you guys can open up your Bibles um, to Matthew Chapter 13, verse 44. This is a very short parable. It's literally one, one verse long. Um, so here we go. Matthew 13, verse 44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So the first thing that I want to point out from this parable is that this parable, along with a couple others that Jesus gives after this one, these are actually some of the first parables that Jesus gives to his disciples in private, which I think is pretty interesting to think about. So as Jesus is talking to his disciples without the crowds around him, he is describing the kingdom of heaven, which is synonymous to the kingdom of God that Duncan talked about a couple weeks ago, right? And when he is describing what this kingdom is like, he gives a very short story, this story, this parable, that seems very, very simple at first glance. We have this man who, we don't know this man, his name, anything. He's walking through this field, and he finds this treasure in this random field. Now, you can almost imagine this guy looking at this treasure, and all of these thoughts are going through his head, right? He's like, I don't even know how much this treasure is worth. Like, why is this treasure here, just in this random field of nothing? How come I've never come across this treasure before? I must have this. I mean, I feel like if I come across, across a treasure in the field, that's like my first instinct. I'm like, this is mine. <laughs> I want this. <laughs> so he hides it because he doesn't want anyone else to find this treasure. He goes home. And I, I assume just in my head, I, this isn't scripture, so, you know, don't count me on this. But I assume in my head that he goes home and he tells his wife. And he's like, we have to sell everything. Everything. The cars, the house, everything that we have, we have to sell it because I have to go and buy this field. And you can just imagine that his wife is sitting here listening to him. And he, she's like, what are you talking about? Like, we, we have this nice house, and we have these cars. Like, why, why do you just want to throw this away over a field? But the man does this. He goes and he sells all, this, all that he has for this field. So here's another question that I have for you guys tonight. 
why did the man sell all that he had for the field? Well, let me tell you, it's not a trick question. It's truthfully very, very simple because he saw that this treasure had an immeasurable value that he couldn't put a price on it. He saw this treasure and couldn't put a price to it, so he sold everything he had to buy the whole field that contained this treasure. So let's dive a little deeper. Because if you remember the first two weeks when Duncan and Jake talked about why Jesus used parables, it's because he wants us to understand these crucial kingdom values. He's, he's basically talking to us like children to make sure that we understand these things and what this means for us. So I want to look at these two interpretations that you'll find most people have over this parable. And so we can look at these interpretations and apply this of how this parable relates to us and what we can take away from this. Things like who is the treasure, who is the field, and who's the man, right? Like I said, there's two interpretations to this parable, but I think if we look at both of them, they are both super, super powerful and do really well to complement each other, okay? So in the first er interpretation, we see that Jesus is the man in the parable, and he's searching for us. And the whole field is the world around us. Now, once he finds us, Jesus calls us a treasure. I mean, when I first read this, I, I, it really took me back that he calls us a treasure, right? Now, later when it says when he goes and sells all that he has to buy the whole field, now in reality, this looks like Jesus deems us so loved and so worth it that he dies on a cross and gave his life so that he could buy us. And when we interpret this parable like this, I think it really shows how Jesus sees us. As lost sheep, like Duncan talked about a couple weeks ago, but that are also his treasure. Jesus sees us as his treasure. Isn't that cool? Now from this, I think it's important to know and to not take this in like a super prideful way and thinking that, oh, Jesus calls me a treasure, so I'm like, you know, I'm this big, like, hot commodity. <laughs> but he says this because he wants us to see how much he saw us is worth it. He wanted us to see how much that he loves us. G. Campbell Morgan says this perfectly. He says, that was his estimate of the worth of the treasure that he saw in the field of the world, all that he had. So Jesus saw us so worth it that he compares us to a treasure. For in reality, without Jesus, we as humans are no good. We are sinners who are dead in everything that we do. In Mark 2.17, it says, In hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. For we all know that we have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus sees us in our graves. He calls us a treasure and goes and gives his life to buy the whole field and redeems us. Now, when I was researching for this sermon, um, I found this really cool, I don't know what you call it, like illustration, but just way that he looked at this. Um, and Morgan said that if you think about it in this really, really quick, crazy way, 
that Jesus could have bought in the world from Satan. Now, if you remember in Matthew 4, which is way before Jesus redeems the world of sin, right? This is right after Jesus goes and he gets baptized. He enters the wilderness, <coughs> sorry, and Satan tempts him with many things, including this scripture in Matthew 4, which says, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. But how does Jesus respond to this? He says, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So in reality, Jesus could have had the whole world and kept his life. But he refuses Satan's offer because that's just who he is, right? He never bargains with the devil, especially over us. He loves us so much that he wouldn't buy us from Satan, but he does something ten times greater. Instead, Jesus became the perfect example of sacrificial love and defeats Satan and all sin. So this leads me to ask, how do we, as fickle human beings, respond to this kind of love? Well, this question leads us to the other interpretation of the parable that we're going to look at. So let's read this parable one more time. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So let's flip the script. You with me? Because the other interpretation says that we are the man and Jesus is the treasure. Because if Jesus sees us as a treasure and he sold everything that he had, his throne in heaven, and even his own life for us, then I don't think it's surprising to say that we are called to do the same exact thing. We do the same for Jesus because of what he did for us. I mean, that sounds pretty fair, right? For if Jesus, the king of kings, came down as a human and died the death we were supposed to die, because remember, we've all fallen short, every single one of us in this room, then how are we supposed to respond any differently? We are supposed to respond the exact same way. Now this response that we see here in this parable is very similar to how I met Jesus four years ago this week, actually. Yeah, four years. I'm excited. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I grew up in a home where I never really knew Jesus. I heard of him, and I went to Catholic Mass, but I always assumed that he was like this floating dictator in the sky that all he did was gave out rules and just scowled at people. Like, like literally, that's what I thought. And frankly, I had no idea what the gospel was. I went to church, and I didn't know the gospel. I mean, I remember times literally sitting in Mass, and if you've ever been to Catholic Mass, like they have the crucifixion of Jesus up, you know, on the altar, and I remember sitting there, like, looking at Jesus and, like, literally asking myself, like, why did he do that? Why did he die on the cross? Like, I, I really didn't know. And it wasn't until college where I had my small group leader be so intentional with me and share the gospel with me. And she showed me what a relationship with Jesus really looked like. And my views of Jesus turned from a dictator in the sky to this human named Jesus. 
and ultimately became the most precious piece of information that I have ever heard in my entire life, till still to this day. Because, guys, when we hear this parable that this man went and he sold all that he had and buys the field, you know how crazy this sounds to the people around us? I mean, I remember sec. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I saw the bright light and I was like, what? Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember accepting Jesus into my heart and I, I like literally felt like I was resurrected from the dead. And after I had this friend group from college, it, you know, they were like my party friends. I partied with them a lot. And um, when I, I had this friend group that they really started treating me differently after I gave my life to the Lord because I wouldn't do the same things anymore. And truthfully, some sins did take longer than others to lay down, but there was a ton that I surrendered to Jesus and still do to this day. And my friends from college slowly stopped talking to me because they, like, they honestly just thought I was nuts for changing my whole life. And then one year later, um, I decided to quit my stable job, raise support, and serve Chi Alpha, Chi Alpha full-time, and then my family thought I was nuts. <laughs> Um, so why do we sell all that we have in our old life to be resurrected with Jesus? And frankly, like I said before, it's very simple. Because having a relationship with Jesus is the most precious thing that you can have in the entire world. Winky Prattney says this best. He says, why does the man sell everything he has? Because what he sees in the field is more valuable than anything he has seen in his entire life. So truthfully, guys, if we look at the way we do the things we do and how we make decisions, it all comes down to that, that the hidden value that we put in anything is what obligates us as individuals to make decisions, right? So for example, at like the most basic level, do you find value in eating? Yes. We, <laughs> we need it as humans, so we do it. Do you find value in friendship? Most of us do, so we make time for it. And if there's people here tonight that say, you know, I really, really do value God, but I'm just really, really stuck in this one sin, or I'm just stuck in this old pattern in life, then I want to challenge you and propose this idea that you probably just find more value in your sin. Because truthfully, guys, if we look at our old life, the things we used to do or maybe are still doing, I think we can agree that we didn't sin because we felt pressured or there was this kind of like, like, like we were forced by people to sin. But when we are in a life of sin, we do it because it's fun. <laughs> because we get some type of enjoyment out of it. Because we think it can, it can fulfill us in some type of way. Because sin for only a short time brings happiness. But the issue is, guys, is that living in a life of sin is only fun for so long. It brings you short spurts of dopamine hits before it runs out. So you go back for the next dopamine hit and the next one and the next one. And you just keep coming back unfulfilled and dry and ultimately just spiritually dead. For we see in scripture that it says that the wages of sin is death. So what sin can ultimately bring you true, fulfilling happiness? None of it. What became the switch for me was seeing Jesus as true as this true treasure that he is. I hadn't felt more alive, like literally more alive, 
more loved, more seen, and frankly, I've never met a better person than Jesus. I gave up a lot because of the precious treasure that Jesus is. And also, do you think that this man in this parable, after he sold all that he had for this treasure, missed his old life? I mean, who, who knew what he sold, right? Like, we don't know what he sold. He could have sold his house, I mean, his horse. I don't know. I don't know what time this was. But after he sold everything he, he had, do you think he ever looked back and just goes, wow, I really missed that house, you know? I really, really missed that horse. I mean, there's no way. Because he found something more valuable than he's had is in his entire life. For in the parable, it says, from joy over it, right? Joy over this new treasure that he doesn't care what he has to give up. Because the treasure is just that worth it. For nothing in this world can compare to the joy of being with Jesus. Now, from the outside world, we look kind of crazy for giving up things of the world for Jesus. And in a worldly perspective, it looked like I was giving up a lot. But in reality, I was giving up rags for riches. I gave up crud for priceless gold. For truly, how could we miss our old lives when we have been given a gift that you can't even put a price tag on? And his name is Jesus. Now, this doesn't mean that life with Jesus is without difficulties, right? But whenever, like me personally, whenever I'm in a season, like a difficult season, like for example, this past year, both my parents were diagnosed with cancer within like two weeks of each other. But even going through this season with Jesus was far better than some of the happiest moments I've had before having Jesus in my life. It really was. So listen, if you tonight are in a position where you're like, well, I've been trying and trying and trying to stop sinning, but it's just so hard and I just can't do it, then I want you to truly understand that it's not just the goal to stop sinning. Because trying to stop sinning in your own strength is utterly impossible. It is. The goal is to be at one with Jesus and let him wash you clean. If it were that easy to just stop sinning, then the cross doesn't really mean much, right? But it took God himself to come down as a human and die for us to fully separate us from our sin. And it's Jesus alone and no one else that can truly wipe us clean. For in John eleven twenty five, 25, it says, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives, everyone who lives, believes in me, will never die. Do you believe this? So we must sell everything from our old lives in order to be resurrected with Jesus. And let me just say, first off, too, that selling our old lives is not what saves us, right? This isn't a workspace relationship, but it's our response because of what Jesus did for us, what he did on the cross. He is the treasure and the only one that can wipe us clean from our old lives. So I ask you guys tonight... And I want you guys even, and I, I'm serious, even if you are a believer and you've been walking with Jesus for a while, you're not out of it, right? I want all of us to just reflect on this question. Do we, re, do we treat our relationship with Jesus as a treasure? 
Because the fact of the matter is, guys, is that Jesus treats us like a treasure. He bought us with his own blood, and now today is constantly the good shepherd who is searching and searching for his lost lamb. Because Jesus gave his own life to be with us, and so that we could be with him, what thing is truly more valuable than Jesus? When I think about this question, it really reminds me of this story in the Gospel of John. Now, it's out of chapter 6, where some of Jesus' followers are having a really hard time with Jesus' teachings. So it says here in verse 66 how some of his followers start leaving Jesus because they just thought that his teachings were too hard and they just, they didn't want to have anything to do with it. So they left. So we start off here in verse 67 where it says, So Jesus said to the twelve, You don't want to go away too, do you? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Praise team, if you guys could come back up. <clears throat> now, in this powerful question, Peter does a couple things. He First, he addresses Jesus as Lord. Secondly, he recognized Jesus as the preferred way, despite people turning away. And thirdly, he recognized the value of spiritual things. And that he valued Jesus more than the material and earthly desires. I mean, I just picture Peter sitting there, and he's looking at Jesus, and he's looking at the world around him and behind him, and these people leaving, and he's just asking, like, seriously, where else do I go? Like, Jesus, you have everything that I could have ever wanted and ever needed, so why would I go anywhere else but where you are? Do I choose the treasure in the field that offers me Jesus, or do I choose the world that offers me death, destruction, and hopelessness? Because if I put it that way, the answer seems very simple, doesn't it? But not all of us look at our relationship with Jesus in that way. Sometimes Jesus asks us what we're going to do. He asks us, well, are you going to go away too? And sometimes, and I'm guilty of this too, we say things like, and we don't want to admit it, but we say things like, well, you know, this thing in the world is, that's offering me, it's pretty tempting. Because honestly, I think we get too embarrassed to admit that the things of this world are tempting. Or we say, well, Jesus, if you just answer this one prayer, or if you just give me this one thing, then I'll be with you. But remember, we should be seeking the heart of Jesus, not the hands of Jesus and what he can give us. But even in those moments, we seem to forget the immeasurable value of Jesus. And just how much he himself, as a person and a human being, has to offer us. Not the things he does or the things that he gives us, but just how valuable the person of Jesus is. Now in Matthew 16, 26, it says, For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? Or what will, what will anyone give in exchange for his life? So at the beginning of tonight, I asked you a question to the believers in the room and even the unbelievers. You can answer this too. Why does God have the right to rule your life? And from tonight, I pray that you see that the answer in, in, is right here in this parable. It's simply because he gave up everything, including his own life for you, that he died for you. And from this act alone, it really shows who Jesus is. 
the most valuable person in relationship to us in all of existence. Because of this act alone, he deserves everything that we have. And the most beautiful thing about this is Jesus continually gives us everything he has. In Luke 22, verse 29 through 30 says, I bestow on you a kingdom just as my father bestowed one on me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. Isn't that cool? Now, from what we talked about earlier tonight, there is only one way to respond to this. One way. It's to die to ourselves, our earthly desires and passions, and the things of our old lives and selves, and to live with Jesus, who is our treasure. So I don't want to get super like controlling of our response time tonight, but I just want every single person in this room to just really, really reflect on these words and these questions. I don't care if you've been walking with Jesus for, you know, years and years, but sometimes in our walk, we get to a point when Jesus really, really isn't that valuable. We say he is and we act like he is, but only Jesus can really, really read our hearts of how valuable he really is to us. So if you are a leader that I talked to previously, I ask that you guys go to the back of the room up there. And if you guys need prayer about anything, but specifically, if you guys need prayer on secret sin, things that you have been hiding for a while and you haven't really told people or just things that you are just trying to get rid of but it just almost utterly seems impossible that I want you guys to go to these people they're very welcoming I promise and just ask them to pray for you all right Lord Jesus Lord I thank you so much for your presence Jesus that is just clearly with us and surrounding us Lord, I pray that you would just stir our hearts. Lord, that you would convict us on the things that we need to be convicted by, Jesus, and that you would just draw us closer to you. Lord, would you just continue to be with us and just show us the treasure that you are. Lord, we love you, Jesus, and we pray all these things in your name. For more information, please visit XAUNC.com or find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash XAUNC. Our Instagram handle is at XAUNC, and you can find all of our content on our YouTube channel by searching for Chi Alpha UNC. Until next time, may the Lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering.